1: You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. We have got a big, huge group of poison oak-covered, tick-bitten, mosquito-bitten, uh... I mean, I, I sweated a lot. I'm sure y'all probably sweated a, a ton this weekend. We're tired. Uh, we were just talking about how we come home with all these ailments from these hunting trips, and the wife's always like, Well, that sucks. Too bad for you, but I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> you did this to yourself. <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys. And that's how my wife is. Your wife ever feels sorry for you when you come back with hunting stuff, like issues after a hunting trip? Oh, about yeah.
2: <laughs> It's uh I get stuck in this spare bedroom with the poison ivy <laughs> and bringing that in the bedroom
1: <laughs> well it's it's one of those things man it's like i like I don't want to come home and complain but at the same time like poison ivy sucks man like it's it's not a fun thing to have um
2: it is of the devil
1: yeah i I look like an iguana right now my skin is that of a, a reptile <laughs> um <laughs> but anyway we had tennessee velvet hunt this weekend so i'm joined by taylor philpot of revive outdoors jeremy freeman of the hunting grounds jacob yeah. emery of doe three right and that's what it's called do <laughs> three right. there you go um and mr clay harper of clay harper Clay, Clay, uh, Clay, Clay, Harper. Clay Harper 2000 on Instagram <laughs> 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 or something like that. Is that what it is? Clay Harper of
2: Georgia.
1: Clay Harper of Georgia. <laughs> Harper of Georgia. <laughs> uh, but we had a, we had a fun weekend on the, on the Tennessee velvet hunt. I'm just going to kind of, uh, everybody who's listening to this probably has already seen a picture of, uh, buck that was killed by Jacob. It's a, a world-class white tail deer. Um, and this group, pretty much everybody in this group, kind of had uh, a, a part in it. We, we did this team hunt thing. And then also, the same night, Clay uh, killed uh, another great buck uh, just a little ways away from where the whole thing kind of went down at. And this group was kind of hunting together the whole trip. And it was just a really good time. I had a fun time. I've never really done this team hunt type thing. Um, like that's I've always... I've hunted with other people, but never like that, where you just, you kind of have a plan and you, and you execute it really well. Um, but it, it was a good weekend, uh, before we get into the actual conversation and, and maybe some of the strategy of it, uh, I want to get you guys to introduce yourself. I think, um, Jacob, you've been on the podcast before once, right? Yeah, I think so. One time, maybe, maybe even talking about turkeys, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, but Taylor, you've been on, uh, one time also talking about turkeys, right? Um,
0: yeah.
1: but Jeremy and Clay, this is your first time. So, uh, Taylor, we'll start with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, and your brand and the things that you're doing.
3: Yeah. So, um, from, uh, outdoor standpoint, I have a revive outdoors. Uh, we are kind of a two or three part. So we have social media, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, And then we have a ministry side where we actually guide and take people hunting. So, um, guided a handful of people for turkeys this past spring, and then guided, I want to say over 30 people. I have to look back at the the numbers and stats on that, but we guided a lot of people to either their first year or first buck. Um, and just a really great past year, um, kind of founded Revive Outdoors out of depression. We lost our daughter, um, who was stillborn and just went through a really tough season. And, I just recognized that I found myself in the the woods a lot, just sometimes just sitting there, um, you know, sometimes angry at God, sometimes enjoying what God created. And it just became something that was a gift to me and I wanted to be able to share it with people. So 2020 Revive Outdoors was founded through all of that. COVID was going on at the same time. And then from a personal standpoint, uh, my wife and I, we've been married a long time. I think we've been together over 15 years. We have three kids. Uh, one on the way that no one knows about except for now everyone what? And, uh, congratulations we uh, awesome. yeah we're excited you know just after all the the hard times we went through just kind of keep it on the dl um, but she's less than a month away so we're excited and wow. then um also have a pest control and real estate company and so i say pretty busy and now i'm training to be a pilot so i can fly to do all my hobbies and businesses and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, work hard, play hard. kind of. Stuff.
1: That's awesome, man. That's great. I, 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 uh, when you told me you were going to be a pilot and that's not kind of my first thought was like, man, if Biden gas keeps going up, Taylor's going to become a really close friend. <laughs> we're going to be like, Hey bro. So, uh, if I pay for your tag, would you drive me to, or fly me to Kansas? Um, no. Okay. So, so Jacob, uh, tell us a little bit about, about yourself too.
0: Oh man, um, I'm 31. I've got a family uh, here. I live in uh, Southern Indiana currently. Um, I have three children. Uh, as kind of goes with the the name, I kind of come up with was Do3, Dad of Three Outdoors. Uh, and everybody always jokes with me, well, you know, well if there's another one, well, we had a little surgery to make sure that'll never happen again for <laughs> me. So we're sticking with Do3. Uh, but man, I've been hunting, fishing. Pretty much since I was eight, nine years old, uh, started, you know, basically the the growing up stage of hunting stuck with me for a long time. And probably 2010, 2011, that era, I kind of started getting a little bit more serious about maybe a little bit more quality animals and being a little more picky. But I'm still just a fun going guy. And uh, I was dead set on shooting even a spike uh, this weekend. So, you know,
1: (laughs) nothing's too good for me. (laughs) <laughs> that That's a great description of what the weekend was like. I think everybody's kind of like, I mean, if I see a buck, because I, I don't know about you guys. I Taylor, you're probably not like this, and Clay, you probably weren't like this. Y'all both got on deer pretty regularly, but uh, I, I feel, I, I, I didn't see a deer from, like, with a gun in my hand. I saw one deer on the last morning, um, and it was a deer that I jumped. So, like, it was, like, slim pickings um jeremy tell us a little about yourself and uh i think you were kind of in the same boat as me correct this weekend, yeah i was
4: so i uh i joined the hunting grounds crew here a couple years ago uh i got lucky enough to go out to a hunt with jacob and kind of met him and scotty and hung out and we talked about uh you know joining the group and I was kind of doing my own thing at the time, and it just really wasn't working too well. I, I had a group of guys that didn't want to carry a camera to the woods to try to get <laughs> stuff on camera, so it was kind of tough. And uh, I talked with Steven and wound up joining the the group, and never looked back. I've been enjoying that for, I think, about three years now. Uh, but as far as my background, I started hunting, like Jacob said, about eight or nine years old, and just fell in love with it wound up picking up a camera and I just completely enjoyed sharing everything that I do outdoors
1: that's awesome and uh me and you I didn't realize this but uh living in the same town like getting to hunt with you some this weekend uh I called you on the way home I was like bro I had no idea we lived in the same place let's go hunt together more often that was a good time um, yeah i can't wait to go smash those this year oh dude <laughs> we need to go do that um can but, i
4: invite this time
1: yeah you can go you can go if you want <laughs> thank you
3: thank you i appreciate it
1: if, if i can go with you that's the, of course that's the deal the invite's always open but it's private <laughs> land
3: i know you're too good for private land.
1: listen I, I have never <laughs> once said that i am too good for private land i'm just poor so i don't have <laughs> private land that's the that's kind of where it comes from um, no, you, you, Jeremy. You guys do a, a really good job, and um, you actually killed a buck on this hunt last year on the Alaskan Velvet hunt. Uh, I did, and
2: the only the only guy out of twenty people to kill. Yeah, a yeah, buck.
4: yeah. I, I got super lucky last year. I actually saw that buck the day before I killed him, and basically just set myself up to cut him off coming back to his bed the next morning, and everything worked out
1: on the last day, I right? Was-
4: on the last day like probably 30 minutes before we we're getting ready to leave oh
1: that is cool that was a cool a cool deer i remember <laughs> i was uh i was driving home at, after the the annual butt beatdown down that i got on the tennessee velvet hunt uh driving home and i think taylor sent me the picture of that buck and i was like well crap and from what i understood and like hardly anybody killed like maybe there was like two or three deer killed out there last year on that velvet hunt um i don't think so yeah there wasn't many um but it Mm -hmm. always seems like it works out this way um jacob shot a buck last year that we weren't able to recover but it was the same buck that jeremy missed just a few seconds earlier um so so actually that afternoon I, I can't say for sure because I didn't have a lot of time to
0: process it, but the deer that Jeremy killed, I remember I jumped a buck up that was super tall and I was so focused on like set my tripod up real quick and whatnot, but I missed that deer and i I would bet my retirement that the deer Jeremy killed I missed him going in that afternoon, so there was a lot of shots fired that day, a deer that did not die
4: <laughs> the The next afternoon, I actually seen that deer coming from the exact same area that jacob missed it at the day before so it's very possible it was the same deer
1: yeah yeah because it's not a high deer density area um you know i mean it the the whole thing is like i honestly would feel better and more confident going into like one of the places in alabama you know that typically you wouldn't think would have more deer than a place in T- in Tennessee but that CWD zone that we are able to hunt during this hunt are I mean it's it is low deer density it's like I saw I think I saw one deer on the side of the road driving in and out in the dark like there just isn't a lot of deer in the area um but kind of moving on with that clay uh you kind of were in that same boat this year it was like you had a lot of really good opportunities this for this season's uh velvet hunt um tell us a a little bit about your experience in the past on the velvet hunt and and by the way this is clay harper um you can introduce yourself as well tell us a little bit about yourself but also tell us like what was what has been your experience in the past on the velvet hunt versus your experience this year
4: okay
2: um first of all i'm clay harper uh south georgia a little bit older than everybody else so i've been hunting for 35 years parker was blown away that i'm actually uh old man um no I wait don't. wait
3: wait you just said you've been hunting longer than i've been alive i'm 45 years old too dang bro <laughs> i know i know i carry it well yeah bro. Um,
2: but yeah 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 i was like i was telling parker you know the, the first big deer i killed i killed when i was 12 years old 143 inch 11 point that my dad just 100 just went in the day before found a doe and heat with a couple of big bucks and put a stand up and and told me where to go that morning you know so it was
1: that's kind of how know, Taylor like, was this whole this weekend that's that <laughs> I'm drawing I'm drawing a parallel there um, yeah. so uh
2: last year the Alaskan bush hunt velvet hunt uh I got my butt whooped just like everybody else did um and, and I'm sure Jeremy did all up until the, the last hour, you know, it was, it was tough. Um, but I felt like I learned some stuff, you know, for one, I learned that was the first time I'd ever been to that particular place. And, you know, I learned where some deer were and kind of what they were doing. Um, and it was a total shock to, you know, that they, they weren't doing what I'm used to. Um, I, I kind of found like here where I live, if there's a river bottom and there's a field, Nine times out of ten, if you expect to see deer come into that field, they're coming out of that river bottom. Um, so you always kind of have a tendency to kind of push to the back of a field to set up to to catch deer coming out at last light. And what I found on this past trip was the exact opposite. Um, they were almost always at the, at the front of the fields and not way back in the back where you want to go. And I know you and I talked about it that, we kind of felt like you know there's always that thing, well, hey, you know, deer like being right there by the access to monitor hunters or whatever, but we both kind of decided that that was the only place that there was any little bit of topography at all. They were just they were finding these little hills and and bed down on the hills, 50, 60 yards away from the fields and right at last light just popping out into the fields and and vice versa, you know, in the mornings they would be out there for like maybe. Thirty minutes in the morning, and then as soon as the sun got up, they were gone. You know, so it's like that's what makes this hunt so tough: is you've got three days to do it, and there's like thirty minutes to an hour in the morning, and maybe an hour in the evening to like really, you know, have any kind of good odds at seeing deer movement. The rest of the time, you like you might bump one or or drive around and see one that got hung out. Mm-hmm in a field somewhere and just bedded down
1: yeah um, um i i, 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 I want to know jacob jacob's really the only one of us that gets to hunt cropland and farmland type stuff on a more regular basis and uh, i think any of us bama guys and clay being from georgia jacob do you see that be the case in early season um when you've got crops uh where you're at in indiana and in kentucky I mean,
0: yes and no. Um, like Clay was saying, man, it's, you expect so much different down there. Like, I'll be honest, I seen a doe open in the morning, um, and the buck that I ended up shooting was the second deer that I'd seen. And I'm not talking, like, while I was in the woods. I'm talking from the time I entered Tennessee and drove around for those three and a half days, I mean, there was maybe one dead deer on the side of the road. The deer aren't there and um i think a lot of people get this mentality about this hunt like i want to go hunt deer in august with a a high-powered rifle this is going to be a freaking cakewalk and i got news for you it ain't like up in kentucky where every single soybean field you drive by or that you can't see from the roads loaded deer they just ain't there so it's kind of hard for me to say that yeah it's kind of the same back here when the, the deer numbers are just so so much higher you know what i mean yeah um
1: yeah just as far as as far as as them them, as far as them like uh like one of the things that we pinpointed i think on this hunt is that a lot of these bucks seem to be in these drain they, they bed down during the day in the drainages um like in the in the tall crp stuff surrounding the the fields so like it's a really hard thing to go and hunt it any other way other than sitting on the ground in tucked into a bush you know like yep. you go out here with a tree stand or with a saddle and hunt the woods there's a good chance that you're not even going to be in the game um is kind of what I thought there's a few places where you could get where you could actually um see a field well enough to to hunt it but not a lot there's really not a lot of that and But it honestly seems like you don't really even need to think about like it's hard for especially public land guys who are used to having to go deep and go far back and get away from the the fields, like get away from those fields. That's not where the big bucks are going to be at. But man, I kind of feel like it's the opposite in my experience with a lot of places with agriculture, to be honest with you. Like early season deer,
0: man, you can throw everything that you basically know about Bedding and north-facing slopes and all that. you can throw that out the window. It's about water close by, shade, and where they feel comfortable. And you know where we found these deer. Some of us could have hit a rock or throw a rock and hit the road from where we just about killed them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. um They're not uh-huh. betting on these. You know, it, they're mm-hmm. normally not betting in the topo. They're betting in this scraggly-ass like bushes. They're bedding in these really, sh- like, narrow tree lines. They're bedding in these drainage ditches out in the middle of the fields. And most of the time, they're bedding out in the middle of a bean field. Um, and that's where it gets real tough is, is hunting the deer out in the middle of a 3,000-acre bean field. They're bedding in the middle of it. There's plenty of shade, you know, up underneath the bean canopy. You can't hunt out of a tree out there. And most of the time, you can barely see the top of their heads. So one finding them is tough. And then getting a shot on them is almost impossible. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I can tell you, uh, Clay Clay proved that theory wrong when their heads are bobbing up. <laughs>
0: oh, man, come that's,
1: on. A, that's a southern boy, and I don't care
0: about the neck shots. It's going down. <laughs>
2: and that that was a neck shot, and his head just happened to bob at the wrong time. <laughs> he was bobbing when he should have been weaving. Yeah. Uh, now, I was aiming at the throat patch, man. But, um, yeah, I never – For 15 minutes, the deer was 80 yards from me, and I could see, like, the base of his ear and up. I mean, it was like a little bit of neck for 15 minutes, an antler. Um, The deer, like what you were talking about, like where the deer bedding, the the first bucks that I saw were all bedding within 150 yards of where I parked, which was 50 yards from a house. Um and they were completely comfortable in there. And and when they that evening that I went back, I saw the buck, the big buck in there that morning. That evening I went back and I knew they would be coming out of that bedding area into the beans at, at as soon as sun as soon as the sun dropped below the trees, I was expecting them to come out. And that's exactly what they did. But what's funny is they came out of that tree line and they dropped down off that hill. And as soon as they got into the edge of that field, they just ran 60 or 70 yards. To get out into those beans and that just tells you just how much they they believe those beans are, you know is good cover um because they they felt they, they didn't feel safe on that field edge where there's just a little bit of grass but they just bolted out there into those beans where they had some cover and i think honestly a lot of people that weren't seeing deer were 150 200 yards from deer that they just couldn't see um that that bug that i ended up killing he was bedded within 120 yards of me tops for two hours without me knowing it without. And and he, obviously he didn't know I was there either. Um, But he did not walk up there. He, he stood up and there was two of them and I had no idea they were in the world until they stood up. And even then they were easy to lose. Like the other one didn't walk with the one with the one I killed. He walked the opposite direction and I couldn't glass because this buck had me pegged, pinned down for 15 minutes. But with the naked eye, that, that deer just disappeared like for 10 minutes at a time. And then, and he was only like maybe 150 yards away and he disappeared for 10 minutes at the time. And then, uh, then I'd, I'd make out a little bit of movement and be like, well, yeah, that's him. But okay. I, I learned that in Kentucky a couple of years ago, like down here, we don't have a lot of soybeans and the people that do plant them, they get mowed down. But even even when they get planted, they don't get up chest high down here like they like a a, a waist high soybean field about as big as you ever see here. So that first year I went up to Kentucky, I was like, yeah, this is gonna be fun, man. There's gonna be all these deer out in these soybean fields. I pulled up to the first field and just kind of looked around. I was like, well, there's no deer in this one. And I went to the next one. I was like, well, there's no deer in this one. And I'm looking with binoculars. You know, I'm not like you know, I'm not glassing for like hours sitting in the back of the truck, but. Um, I can remember I'd glassed this field for like 30 minutes, didn't see anything. And so I drove down to the other end, just going to turn around and somebody came by on a side-by-side with like Hank Williams Jr. blaring in this field that I just looked at for like 45 minutes, hour, however long with my binoculars, didn't see anything. And when they come by blaring like six or seven deer, just get up out of the middle of the field and run to the back. I'm like, <laughs> Okay. I'm going to have to do this a little differently. You know, the deer are here, they're just hard to find. And if if they're if they're laying down, you just don't see them. If they're walking, you barely see them. But there is a terribly low deer density. I I went back in November last year coming back from Missouri and uh me and me and Mike Pike were there for a couple of days and I walked like 6 or 7 miles and didn't see deer tracks. <laughs> like I swore last year when we left I was never going back ever. My last trip to Alaska. <laughs> but but I just couldn't stand it. You know, it's like gonna be another month and a half before I can hunt anywhere with a rifle. So yeah. like yeah. why not? Like why I was, not? I was I'm t- so glad that I changed my mind. Like we had a blast. I had a blast. If I didn't kill a deer, if I'm glad I saw some. That sure makes it better. But I had an absolute blast on you guys.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I was talking to somebody today and i think you would be hard pressed in the whitetail world to find a more difficult hunt just so many challenges low deer densities it's hot the bugs are terrible poison oaks everywhere and it's just really hard to see those deer i mean when i i mean clay you're a lot taller than me but when i got down in the beans like they were even with my neck in most places yeah and so like i would just see You know, like when I would sit in places or stand most of the time, I was scanning with binoculars constantly, like almost to the point of exhaustion. And I would just see the tips of the ears or the the tips in the ears. Yep. And that's all I would see. It's very difficult.
4: Crazy thing about those beans, you can't, you really can't tell how tall they are until you walk into them.
3: Right. It's like an optical
4: illusion or something.
2: Yeah. It just looks like a gray carpet. Yeah, a green, a green carpet, and then and then you see a deer standing, in and you're like, "Wow, deer are a lot shorter than I give them credit for being." And these beans are tall.
0: Yeah. Another thing that I picked up on down there over the, I mean, I've hunted down there three of the last four, you know, years. Um, it's to the point where if I drive past a bean field, and the beans are not at least over the deer's back, I just keep going. Yeah. Wasting drive. Because yeah. they're, they're more than likely they're not going to either be there, and they probably sure as hell ain't going to want to come out in daylight.
2: Yeah, that's that's the one. That's the one that if they are browsing that field, you you're not you're not going to see them until the sun drops below the, you know, maybe on the western edge, mm. um, or or right there at sunset. And that's like you know the the place that I hunted. You know, I did see I did see a good bit of deer, but I kept seeing them in the same place. I was not just everywhere I went. I didn't see deer well. I guess I did, but I, I didn't go very many places. Um, I stayed in that one spot for half the hunts, and then the that that Saturday night that Jacob killed the deer. You know, we all hunted over there. I ended up kind of bouncing out of there and, and going to that other spot and saw two bucks over there. But um, they were it was it was the same scenario every time, unless they're bed in the unless they're bedded in the beans, like and then just kind of stand up. And that buck did do it way earlier. He was in the sun, but for the most part, it's shaded when, when you see them in those beams.
1: Hey guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So we've partnered with the social media platform, Go Wild, to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you go wild is a free social community not only are your photos not censored they're actually encouraged on go wild they give you points for things like sharing your trophies gear reviews and inviting other friends as you earn points you unlock awesome rewards too like gift cards free stuff like knives huge discounts on brands like garmin and vortex and so much more and if you create a free account you can unlock ten dollars just for trying it out visit GoWild.com to get started Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you, the ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your work day, a good cup of high quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee For Your Cause program, where 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice check out six day grind coffee today that's the word six followed by day grind you mentioned something clay uh that when me and you were talking about your deer uh, a plane came over or something like that some think, kind of i think the
2: plane made him get up
1: yeah that's what like, i was wondering I,
2: I, so
1: he he kind of
2: came like I was, you know, like I was saying earlier, I always, if there's a river bottom there, if there's water, it, not even just that, just the back of the field is where I'm used to seeing deer pop up. Down here in South Georgia, uh, they, people believe in spotlighting. A lot of people hunt with permits, you know, because crops get just waylaid uh, and people people hunt with permits to come out here with spotlights in the summertime and just shoot deer so when they come out they come out in the back of the field and if you pull up in a truck at 100 yards 500 yards and sit there for more than 30 seconds they tear out like this whole glassing thing and seeing 160 inch bucks from the road in your truck in the middle of the day just blows my mind like i don't like <laughs> that's totally new concept to me down here you like you'd be surprised how many, how many bucks get killed that nobody ever saw. You know, most of the time, all these bucks in these areas here, that the locals know about, you know, they've seen them out in the fields. And, and that's crazy to me that they can even manage to to live, to get that old with people seeing them like that. Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, that airplane came over, had me looking. So I know he came out to my left where I was kind of set up to shoot to my right, to the, the back of the field, And he just, he just pops up. But like, even though I set up to the right, I've been scanning to the left and I'm, I'm using my binoculars the whole time because I've, I've learned the hard way that you can't just wait on that, like naked eye to, you know, to, to find these, these deer, because they're just, they're in it they're moving so slow and there's just enough of them sticking out that you won't see them. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm pretty well scanning the whole time this airplane flies over and, uh, So it kind of makes me fidget around and kind of look to the left a little bit. And the buck's just looking at me. Um, I mean, I don't think I can get a ticket for uh, admitting guilt on a podcast. But so anyway, I changed shirts and I didn't have my camera. I mean, my orange hat on. And when I looked up at this plane, I was like, and it's flying right over me because the game board or something. I was like, well, I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong. Does that matter? And I looked down at my orange hats on the ground. I was like, shoot, I changed shirts and didn't put it on. So I grabbed my hat, put it on. And when I put my hat on, I looked at Buck looking at me. Um, <laughs> but he, like, I, I, I 100% believe he was just bedded down right there. Maybe, like, maybe he would walk just a little bit. Um, but I think he was bedded down right there, and that plane made him get up, you know, just that little bit of noise. You know, he couldn't, he heard it from a distance and wanted to see what it was. He didn't know it was in the air, or the ground, or what. So I think he stood up just to get a better look, and that's when I saw him.
3: Dude, let's pause for a second on this and say I'm thankful that I'm not the only one that every time I'm hunting and I see an airplane, I think it's the game wardens (laughs) going over with, like, thermal imaging, like looking for hunters and like, oh, there he is. Y'all go in this part of the woods and get him.
2: Yeah, I mean, he flew right over me. You know how big that area is? He literally flew right over me. I almost have a
4: guilty conscience yeah uh,
2: well
3: it's, i've watched too many game warden shows
4: yeah man <laughs> and,
3: and i've been in the military where we actually did stuff like that so yeah
4: exactly
3: <laughs> it's going on i uh
1: i i have actually thought that there there's a lot of planes out there and i actually did kind of have that thought but this is something that i that i've noticed even in like kentucky um in the limited amount of like ag land hunting that i've done uh, i've noticed that Whenever I'm overlooking a bean field, when I hear loud noises like a, a truck coming down the, the road, uh, maybe if I'm close to a highway, an 18 wheeler going by, a uh, plane, things like that, it's a really good time to be watching that field really closely, um, almost expecting there to be deer bedded down in there. Like if I go to a tall bean field, that's pretty well my expectation. Like there's probably. If I see a deer in here, they're probably going to be in that field. And that's one thing to me that is a challenge in in cropland, in ag land, um, even with a rifle, right? Like, so we're out there with a rifle, but you think about doing it with a bow in your hands. Think about this same hunt with a bow in your hands, and it would be, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it would be very, 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 very diff- difficult. To eat, to do anything, it's already hard enough to get up in a tree, and like, imagine doing it on the ground. Like, it's just, it's just a very hard um, thing to do. But the reason why I keep going, and you guys will probably agree with me, uh, Jeremy, your buck wasn't a hundred and sixty inch buck, but it was a nice buck. You know, it was a good Absolutely. buck. That he killed two years ago or last year. I still hadn't got him
4: back from the taxidermist. <laughs> Even put a tape measure on him, so I, just, I still don't know what he scores. He, he's, he's
0: a
1: score all right. <laughs> he's he's a he's he's a good deer, a cool character deer. Uh, a, a, I would consider him to be a big buck. Um, I would yeah. put him in the, in the big buck category. Um,
2: I'll tell you what he scores. He scores the only buck killed yeah. amongst a whole bunch of buck killers <laughs> yeah. on a hunt. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, like you can't it really, get, and you can't it get your not-
3: hands around his antlers. Like the base of his antlers or so you can't get your hands around it.
2: Yeah. I love those Tennessee deer that that the main beams just swoop way up before they even start making a rack. I see a lot of those in Tennessee, man. I love them. Mm -hmm. it's like they're like the antlers are trying to get up over the beans
1: yeah (laughs) they're they're growing up towards the sun but like clay's buck (laughs) yeah clay your buck um i don't mean this offensively at all but out of the bucks i have seen get killed on the on this hunt your buck's the smallest and it's still a great looking buck like it's still a good deer and so like it's it's what keeps me going on this hunt is like man i mean there's opportunity you have an opportunity to do what jacob did and kill a buck of a lifetime right like like it's a it's a cool opportunity it's hard it's sweaty it is very difficult to get out of bed um for every every day except for the first day it is hard to get out of bed um and like what you said clay like you get basically an hour and a half of every day to hunt and so yeah, the, it's the other
2: tough. Time you... Especially when you're going way out of town to do it. Like, it, mm-hmm. I you don't even see very many locals out there doing it. And I think it's just because it's, it's you know they like man, it's a terrible time to hunt. <laughs> like...
3: Yeah, they ride around on their four wheelers in the middle of the fields, driving circles to run all of us. down. Yeah. Yeah. that's all. That's all yeah. they care about.
2: Yeah. So. Well, that's how you know there's a big buck in there, too.
3: That's right.
1: So, Jacob, yes, You you had a crappy time other than the last couple of seconds of your hunts. (laughs) Right? Like just a just an all around crappy time. I had a pretty crappy time. Uh Jeremy, you had a pretty crappy time. Taylor, you got you found bucks. Clay, you found bucks. It's awesome. Um but I want to talk about this story of of how we did this team hunt. Because I thought it was it was cool. It was neat to see it work. And like you guys are talking about like the locals knew who this buck was. Like there were people actively hunting this deer, and what what I was thinking about um, earlier this morning was like, how cool is it that a bunch of guys from out of state hmm. put together a plan to kill a buck of that caliber to get him dead, and... I mean, Taylor, you kind of, we kind of did it right, right. Like right underneath another guy's nose that was watching from the highway. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, crazy. Another guy who I had talked to that was hunting that deer. Um, I thought that was cool, mm-hmm. man. I mean, if I were a local, I'd be kind of pissed off, but like, I <laughs> I thought it was, it, I think that's a really cool thing that kind of shows you maybe the effectiveness of this style of hunting for, um, it, it may Translate to like clear cuts here in Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, doing something like that. We've had Wes Moye on the show before talking about uh his wolf pack method, and that's kind of what we did. We really did it. But um Jacob, while while Jacob, not to take away from you, Jacob, but you got to pull the trigger, it was a really cool moment of a bunch of guys being around and saying, Holy crap, that worked. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like we did it. It's one thing.
2: Everybody, everybody gets a, a little sense of of being successful there. You know, like accomplishment for for everybody. You know, yeah, that, that's absolutely. awesome That's what hunting should be like. Pack hunting is is awesome. You know, I mean, hunting with friends is awesome. Uh, hats off to Taylor, man.
1: So, yeah. Jacob, basically, what we're saying is you need to saw a piece of the antler off uh, in about seven different directions and send it off to everybody else so we can just put that little thing on the wall does that sound all right <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send you a tooth <laughs>
2: okay what? i'll take it <laughs> what's one what's 170 divided by 10 like give me, give me my 17 inches of that bubble, man. What,
3: like,
0: what's that like one d2 <laughs> so that, that entire deer should go to taylor oh no honesty. yeah and the, taylor, I, taylor you i you...
3: will i will gladly let that hang in uh, my trophy room <laughs>
1: Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. So, so Taylor, you really got to start this story, man, because uh, it all started with you. Uh, so, tell us tell us how how all began with the 100 and what did what it end up scoring, Jacob? All right. I'm just going to tell
0: you what i mean jeremy was there with me and i mean i didn't exaggerate anything and if think,
4: nothing else, you left some on the table
0: I, I really did um but i used a strap and we would measure the strap after i did like every measurement whatnot like they do they take a string um and i actually got to the end and it was like 151 and a half i was like man i really thought he was bigger than that and jeremy goes we forgot to take his inside spread like, oh, holy crap. Um, I can't. The final number was like
1: 167 167 was, inch giant
0: velvet buck. Yeah. I, I think you know, Taylor said he's seen him, you know, that morning. He's going to get to that, but you know, he's he thought the deer was possibly in the 30s, and that just goes to show is like when you don't get a good look at these deer, you know, with the beans and the you know all the situations <laughs> who really knows how big they are until you get up to them.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Well, I, I knew he was a giant and I just didn't want to be the guy that's like, Oh, we shoot a 10 point later in the day. And it's, and it's a little guy and uh, people are like, Oh, and that guy's full of it. i like, <laughs> I remember, I can't remember. I think I told Parker and I was you like, said
2: 160. You told yeah, me. I 60.
3: told, I told, I told people that I was like, uh, you know, you're not going to come back and tell me no, I'm an idiot.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it was there one of those a... things as soon as I saw him, I'm like, yeah. Oh my god, you... no, the one,
2: the one yeah. you saw originally was like 130, and then you got in there and saw the bigger one, right?
3: Yeah, so there was. So, what's interesting is we found out from the game warden later that there is a, a split main beam buck, so it's got two main beams, and every time I saw this eight point when he would rotate his head, it just so strange. And uh, so I'm wondering if that was the split beam buck was that what I thought was an eight point because he was huge, but when he would turn, he would look so strange. But then when Jacob's turned, it was like, oh my gosh, that's the monster. And, um, but maybe they both were giants. That'd
1: be cool. Oh yeah. Maybe not well, piss off for- all the locals. Maybe, maybe that guy will get to kill that big buck. If he's he's 130 inch eight point,
2: 135 inch eight point with an extra main beam that's like 20 inches, that makes him 150 inch eight point. (laughs) You know, if there's if it's just one long main beam with nothing on it, yeah. Yeah.
4: By the way, the local that was watching from the road messaged the hunting grounds page and told us to tell Jacob thank you.
1: He said, to tell the Eighter,
4: congratulations. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. That cool i wasn't sure like i saw him walk out of his house with his rifle and get in the truck and then i literally had him sit on the road for 20 minutes looking that private bean field and i just knew any second i was gonna hear a gun shot out the door are <laughs> out the window of the truck I with, was like, ten, with 10 witnesses yeah exactly <laughs> so thank you to you sir for
1: not getting that buck out of your truck um, so taylor tell us tell us how it all started van tell us the, the beginning of the story
3: um i think really it kind of goes back to last year and so for me I went out there and, you know, I've hunted a lot of different places and done a lot of different things over my life. And that was the, one of the more difficult things that I've done in that heat last year, over a hundred degrees. And I mean, I came home with poison over, like literally over my entire body and was bug, bug bites, fly bites. It was crazy. Um, but I walked, I think, I'm. I think I went back and looked and I, I had walked 23 miles in three days last year and just trying to figure out the puzzle to where these bucks are and what they're doing, because it was just like, like, dang, if these guys can kill it, I can kill it. You know, I'm always the type of person if they can do it, I can do it. But what am I missing? And so I just put in the work last year and I found two really good spots. One being where um, bucks were coming off of one area um, that was heavily wooded into these fields. And then another one, that was back around the pond. And I checked the first place and just wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. And um, just realized that the second place was really hot and there were some really heavy tracks coming across the, right at the edge of the road. And I just wanted to kind of focus my energy in that spot from that point forward. And it worked out uh, in the end. But I think coming into it, I had the mindset, I was talking to my wife before I left, it's like, I just want to go and make really great memories with this guy, these guys. I mean, you're bringing some of the top deer, whitetail deer hunters together into one area, into one group. Why would we not combine what we're seeing, what we're finding, scouting, everything, combine it all together and share that information and all work together to make it the you know help us achieve our goals in the end and she was like you know the only way that that's going to happen is if you set the example because you know all of your friends like they keep secrets
1: (laughs) (laughs) no man what's she talking about
3: He's like, I don't know why you like to be friends with all these people because they don't, you know, they don't share anything and they don't want to talk about nothing and they all try to steal each other's spots. And, uh, and I'm like, well, I guess I'll go and set the example. So every time I hunted, I came back to the cabin and I told everybody what I saw, what was going on, you know, where I think that they could sit and... Um, I think we just started to open up everybody to do that. And it was really cool to hear everybody start to share. Well, hey, well, last year, this year, two years ago or three years ago, this is what I saw. And so, yes, I know I played uh, a part in this, but it was really an overall team effort of everybody being willing to play their part and share their intel and us all come together and show some humility at the end of the day. I think in this this hunting community that we're in that a lot of people listen to these type of podcasts and, um, are in the hunting world, the mobile hunting, especially it's very individualized. It's all look at me and, you know, like I'm the best deer hunter ever and oh, I've killed this many bucks. And, you know, it was just really cool to see a bunch of guys that killed a lot of quality deer come together and say like, let's just try to make this happen. Like I would rather go home without a tag being punched and have my friend tag something like that was just the motto of everybody of like, let's just get a buck or two or three or four, whatever on the ground and make it happen. And, um, going to the specifics of this hunt. Um, I after dinner on Friday night decided like, I'm going to drive down to this spot and just see if I can just figure out something, like just from the road like I catch a glimpse of a buck, didn't see anything. And then I went back to the cabin and I like kind of like upset, like not really knowing what to do for the next morning or where I'm going to hunt. And I just remember, I just prayed, like, you know, God, like just give me a sign. Like if we're all supposed to come together and we're supposed to do this and I know that you, you know, want to bless this hunt, like just show me what we're supposed to do. And, um, the next morning, a group of extra bucks cross the road right in front of where I'm going to park and go down into the beans. And it's like an hour before daylight. So I'm just like, well, I guess I'm going to sit here on the road and see if they're still out in that bean field. So at daybreak, I was scanning with my binoculars and they were there 60 to 80 yards away from me the entire time. And it took me 25 minutes after legal light to see them. Like that's how crazy hard it was. And I was elevated. The road was elevated very high above the beans and i still looking down into them took forever and then once i found them i would see tips of antlers and then they would go down and i think they were maybe following the drainage or maybe the beans were just that high and i kind of figured okay they're going this direction i'm going to go around this other side and try to cut them off Well, i get over there and i was there for about an hour and i'm like man i'm not seeing anything i don't feel comfortable being here i feel like i'm going to bust them out if i go any further And then who knows where they will be. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to back out. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell everybody, and we're going to come up with a plan to go and kill one of these bucks. You know, obviously, the biggest one is what we ended up getting, which is awesome. But I just wanted one of them to die. If not all of them, I would have been okay if we tagged out five.
0: (laughs) That'd be sweet.
3: But that was really cool. Like, as I started sharing information and we're trying to get cell service and everybody's like, Oh, well, you know, Jeremy's like, Hey, use my phone to text them and figure this out. And then finally we're like, okay, we'll meet here at four and then we'll get a game plan together. And like Parker, you know, you and Jacob wanted to sit at the same exact spot in the tree line. And I'm like, like, you're both, you're both really, you're, you're putting me in an uncomfortable situation because I <laughs> Knew the bugs probably bedded in that tree line, and I'm like trying to politely tell you, like, "Hey, let's not sit there. Let's kind of back out." And so it was kind of so cool to like
1: in, in in my defense, you had said uh, that you thought they were bedded in the grass, and so I'm looking at that field and thinking, "Well, that edge is not in the grass at all." Um, and so like I think that I think that was like maybe like the the part that we didn't know. We didn't know exactly. We were looking at the map and saying, like, from what we've seen, where would these deer be bedded at? Well, where Jeremy was, where Jeremy was kind of sitting at, could have potentially been a spot that the deer were bedded, close to that that drain that goes through the middle of the field. Um, where I ended up being at, in the grass, like in the that tall CRP grass, it was like. It could be better there. And then the, and then there's like the, I feel like that buck specifically was bedded in the spot that, that seemed like the least likely for what the rest of the deer were doing. Right. Like yeah. actually in the, the taller trees. Right. Um, and I think
3: through the miscommunication of like text messaging and phone calls, not going through and all yeah. of that, that I thought I, or maybe I told somebody and not told everybody but like that, when I went into that specific tree line, it was like, oh my gosh, these bucks are like hanging out right here. Like mm. there were body imprints everywhere. There were licking branches all over the place. Like every soybean was eaten to the ground. Like there was, you know, droppings on the ground. I mean, it was just like the oasis. And I'm like, man, but I thought they went further out and maybe they jay hooked back in or maybe they went and got water and came back in later in the day. The chance of that. Yeah. yeah
1: i kind of wondered i kind of wondered just because of the way the buck actually came out on you if when we all surrounded if he didn't make some type of real sneaky move um yeah.
4: to get to, get to likely. that
1: private field
4: yeah yeah
1: there's really
2: no way to sneak in i mean it was, uh-uh. it was an orange army march
1: <laughs> yeah and like you think about it like we're all surrounded and the wind's gonna be blowing one direction like somebody's going to get winded in that, in that whole situation, no matter which way, which way the wind's blowing somebody with what we were doing was going to get winded. And so it was like, it was almost like a, in my head, it's like a surgical procedure, right? Like we're trying to make sure like when I got to my spot, I knew the wind was not super good in my favor for the night, but for my access, it was pretty well in my favor. Like, like it was, I I could, I could go fairly quickly because the wind was in my face pretty much the whole time from the direction I went. Now, once I climbed up, then the wind kind of shifted and went out of my favor. But, um, but it was like in my head, I'm thinking while I'm walking, like, you need to get there fast. You need to get, get where you're going quick because as these other guys are approaching, I might miss him because they might wind bump him my direction. Um, so I'm trying to get into a spot quickly, uh, and so like the whole thing, I think it's really cool, like a, a military background that you have. Um, I I don't I've never been in the military, so I don't know how these things work, but it felt like there was a lot of military influence in the planning that went into
3: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think when you talk about a surgical surgical procedure, you know that's you know the whole goal is is efficiency and to to eliminate the target. eliminate the threat or you want to put that and so having a special forces background and you know identifying targets and going after them it's a it's a very similar process and then also knowing everybody's skill set and so and also knowing that everybody's willing to play their part like you have you know you had scotty and you had steve off the very back of, like, you know, Scotty's in the woods in case it, he slips through us all, and then Steve is in the very backfield that's hundreds of yards away because he knew that they could, he could have got by us and made it all the way to him, and he was willing to play that part knowing that that was probably the least likely thing <laughs> to happen, and everybody was willing to say, okay, you know, I trust you, I'll go sit here. And, you know, there was there was some some pushback there at times, but it was like, man, it was really cool to see everybody be like, you know what, even if I don't kill this deer, if somebody kills it, it will be worth it. And I'm thinking like, you made a comment like this is a really funny experience experiment that Taylor's probably trying to pull. You know, to, you know, you made a joke of like, "Oh man, there's probably not even a buck over here." He's going to get everybody. He's going to get everybody in the woods, and then he's going to go steal our spots over there. You don't want to steal. You don't
1: want to freaking steal look, my spots, bro. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Taylor figured out nice how to spot. get. Taylor figured out how to get six million views on YouTube. Gar and ten people at one time <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, hardest uh, hunt put, in the world. Wanna, <laughs> pull pull a put a Jenkins on him. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was it was you know, any. We-
1: was anybody actually confident like this deer is gonna die? Did anybody feel like higher than fifty percent sure that that a buck was gonna die? I did. Die? You did, I, did. I thought it might not be I thought it might not be that biggest
2: one, but I I felt pretty confident that one or two deer were gonna get killed in that whole thing. Dude, let me tell you you know, so Jacob and I were kind of gonna spread out along that bottom right there, and we got over there and we saw that it was dirt instead of CRP or beans. And, you know, he was up ahead of me and, you know, I was on my e-bike. So we saw that and I was like, man, this like there's, I could see where I, where I was thinking about going. I would, Jeremy wouldn't be able to shoot South, Southeast from where he was at for worried about me. And I just backed out and went a mile and a half away. Um, And that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my, in the history of hunting was like there's a 160 inch deer here and I'm just going to go somewhere else because it's like, it just doesn't, it doesn't set up well for one more person right here. And I don't know where else to go without maybe blowing the deer out of there. Um, and then I, you know, I saw where, where Steve and them were set up and that man, they were, you know, there's a half a mile of woods between them and the, in that field. But honestly, you know, if if the deer was in the tree line and he got spooked by people walking in, that's probably where he'd end up if he if he still wanted to get back to beans that evening. You know, so they definitely weren't in a bad spot. Obviously, I wasn't in a bad spot, but I wasn't in a I wasn't in a dang booner uh, <laughs> a booner spot, obviously. man. But that's the thing, uh, the
0: thing about where Steve sat is Steve was like, what do you he was asking me personally, like, what do you think about this backfield? I'm like, one, it hasn't been hunted this yet, this year yet. And two, I was like, you know, I showed him on Onyx, like, hey, this right here is where he saw those bucks first, and this is where he's saying that he saw him last in the field. That's like seven hundred yards difference. Right. If you take take from where he saw him last to where you're sitting, seven hundred yards. Steve, I was like, and it's nothing for them deer to get up and walk that in the middle of the day. As silly as that sounds, because most of the time. Morning time, early season, them bucks are going to feed, 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 feed. They're going to lay down somewhere close to water. They're going to get that drink of water. It it ain't got to be out of a pond. It ain't got to be out of a creek. It could be out of a a hollowed-out stump. They're going to get that drink of water. They're going to pick that perfect time to, you know, kind of slide back in where they want to be when they want to start feeding that afternoon. So, you know, that's the thing, man, is any one of us could have been in the money spot. It was just it's just a giant dice
1: roll, you know.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Jacob, what, what really was your cool. thought? Go ahead, Taylor.
3: I said I think it's really cool. Like Clay, like you know, you took the out of humility and immaturity in that situation of like realizing this would not put everyone else in a prime position, and you backed out and went somewhere else. And like, yeah, get-
2: it, dude, it was bare dirt. We got over there, and that CRP had been. Uh, like mowed and disc over. It was just like bare dirt. And I'm right. like, I, I know Jacob didn't want to sit and, and look over bare dirt and either did I. I mean, that was our cover too. You know, Like right. my thoughts were to t- to kind of get as far East, like basically that drainage that runs North to South right there and kind of set up right there. But then when you got to looking, there was like where, where Jeremy was set up. I mean, that's half of his shooting lane right there, you know? and, and um, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it just it, it didn't like we didn't know where the deer were so definitely didn't want to push you yeah. any farther and i felt like the i felt like that part of that i feel like the only thing that wasn't covered good was that the field to the northeast like taylor you could have like you could have seen the deer but they could have been 400 500 yards from you if they were over there closer to you know like north of
3: i would have dropped it it's okay
2: yeah. Yeah. That's true too. <laughs> man.
3: Like, I mean, like, um, but it's I, just so hard to do that in
2: beans. Like, if they're in those beans, you're looking at just ahead. You kind of right. got to, you kind of got to guess. Like,
4: yeah. I think
2: kind of like, even when you see them, you just don't have a broad, like that deer I shot was broadside at less than 100 yards for 15 minutes and I had no shot. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy to think in just a field, like no trees, no nothing. Yeah. Like, I could have guessed, I could have guessed where his vitals were, but who wants to do that?
3: Yeah, I think what's cool is like, it's the goodness of God that like you took the the way that you took and you made the decision that you made. And then he still pushed, you know, you still got a buck in front of you and you got to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: But let's don't downplay it, Taylor. The. The big thing is that you saw a monster buck, a buck of a lifetime where most people would like oh my god like where's taylor where's taylor i mean nobody's seen taylor yeah he's over there hiding because he saw a monster bug don't want anybody to know where he's at like <laughs> people like best friends get in fights over hunting spots where they don't even know if there's any big deer there or not they're just in the same lease and somebody wants to ha- hunt the same spot and they like get in fist fights yeah. you know we 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 got all these you know i know you guys are a big part of several different you know facebook pages that are supposed to be like hunting communities where, where hunters come together and, and try to help novice hunters become better hunters, try to give people good advice. You know, people share their pictures and it's like become 90% trolls, like people who just have nothing but hate in their hearts. Like it it makes me sick, man. Like people just down on other people for no reason, not wanting to share hunting information. Like and the fact that you see like probably the one of the biggest bucks, I maybe mean, if not the biggest buck you've ever seen, at a hundred yards with the opportunity to shoot it, and the first thing you do is group text everybody and say, "Hey guys, I got a hundred sixty inch deer up here. We need to meet up at four o'clock and game plan how somebody's going to shoot this thing today." Hats off, bro. That's like that's just that nobody does that.
1: Yeah, J- does Jacob, that. I think like, one of the things you said was. When Taylor left to go get his truck, or to go no to go call the game warden, Taylor leaves, and Jacob, you turn to everybody and you go, "There's like one out of a hundred people maybe that would do that." <laughs> it's like minutes Hell after you yeah. found that buck. Hell uh, yeah. So anyway, I don't want to I don't want to take too much more time, but we've still got a lot of the story left. I want to know Jacob, yeah. Jacob, how confident were you uh that, that something was going to happen? No, not you, but for anybody.
0: For anybody. I thought, honest to God, I thought there was probably no way that somebody wasn't, you know, punching a primer that night, um, especially Jeremy, because I mean, he's a shooting fool. I mean, he just has to see him.
1: <laughs> no, just <laughs>
0: like <laughs> That's right. They make him bullets while you sleep. What'd you say? Uh,
1: what'd you say in that one video? You were like, uh, I shot at him to get him to stop. I was like, okay, I <laughs> all right.
4: <laughs> Hoping
1: to hit him, but most he people go stop. Most people say, Matt, and Jeremy's Mah. like, I'll just shoot. <laughs> just shoot at I,
4: him. I actually got a text message like five minutes before Jacob shot that deer. There's not any deer that exists in Alaska.
0: this Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, I, was, uh, I was down in the dumps, man. Um, it's just, it's it's, it's aggravating. You, you, you go into this hunt and you think, man, everybody should have a good chance at a buck and and nobody's seeing jack crap and there's no opportunities and you're hot and exhausted and the mosquitoes make you want to drown yourself in the first water hole you find. Um, I don't know. And That afternoon, um, I felt really confident about that southern part of that area. Um, But like Clay said, once, you know, me scotty and nace we took off walking and um i'm not sure what i'm sure clay was just getting his stuff together but i figured he was going to catch up or whatnot and once i got to that corner um and it hit me like where's the crp like this isn't good but we already all had game plans like this is what we're doing this is where we're going it's like you can't just chain it up because one there's no cell service because so nobody knows where you're at um there was one like not really a brush pile, but just somewhere they couldn't bush hog because of uh, a water feature uh, that they do for the ducks, I I guess. And um, I just kind of seen it and I'm like, man, I was like, I think I can hide pretty good there. Um, Along with there's enough shrubbery that I'm going to be out of the sun. So, I mean, it was the most relaxed comfortable set. i had all year i had my i had signal on my phone so i could burn my phone battery down that way i didn't get it on camera i had uh, <laughs> some cold drinks uh, i had my tripod set up i could lay back I, I mean i was in the shade i mean it was perfect and um i don't know I, did you I find really a buck didn't... bed in
1: there that seems no. like a great spot for a buck to bed now yeah it's, you it had
0: everything like but... buck bed in there now because i've been laying down half that hunt
2: <laughs> you had everything but my fan in there I know oh, that I know was
1: sweet, all right, um, so so a little bit of confidence, I felt confident that somebody was gonna shoot something. I didn't know how we could surround an area like we did and somebody not shoot anything and the swamp that I walked through, I found plenty of deer sign to lead me to believe that there's there's deer around there, um, but man, the sun starts going down, and Mosquitos are buzzing and the crickets are chirping and the frogs are going to town and nobody is shot yet and I'm like man that's going to be a long walk back to the truck mm-hmm. um for everybody cuz everybody kind of really grinded it out to to get into their spots like none of it was like while we say it was close to the road Taylor I believe the the spot that you um that you were in May have been the only spot that was like a, a quote unquote easy walk. Uh because, yeah, because we were maybe one
3: 150, yeah. 150 yards. Well, I walked on the road about three hundred yards and then went into the field uh-huh. one hundred and
4: fifty.
1: So so I mean it was a it was tough to get back to the areas that we were in and stuff. So Taylor, um from that point, you know, we're all sitting there, Jacob's sending text messages about the lack of deer. Um <laughs> What was going on in your tree? Because I know you had a little more excitement than that.
3: Yeah, so for me, I was sitting, you know, looking, you know, across was 465 yards. So I had already tried to calculate the ballistics in my head if I'm standing (laughs) up and all this stuff I got to shoot. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if they come out that tree line, that's going to be a shot. And I haven't practiced shooting over 200 yards in a long time. So I was like, man. I think I can pull it off, but I'm not sure. I just hope he comes out down this tree line. Well, Parker, I would say about the time that you probably were getting in the woods, I heard a deer blow twice. I heard it once about from where you would, were, and I heard another time like right down the tree line from me. And I was directly in the middle of this tree line, so I went 150 yards in, and I had 150 yards to go because I knew the wind was blowing directly to where I thought they were bedding. And so I thought that the, probably the person with the best odds given the wind and I had already committed to my spot was probably Jeremy. That's who I thought was going to probably kill the buck based off if they followed the exact line in that they came out. You know, when I saw him that morning, I thought Jeremy was going to have the best odds. And I'm like, man, this guy's going to tag a buck back-to-back years. And I'm like, man, that'd be I can't awesome. get that lucky. <laughs> but it was, you know, when I was like, I was like, When it, when the shade or when this, when the sun goes down and the shade fully covers this field, I am going to walk into this tree line and I'm going to glass this private field. And right about that time happened, that guy come off of his front porch, put his gun in his hand and got in his truck, rolled the window down and went and sat overlooking that private field. (laughs) I'm like, is this guy seriously about to shoot a deer out of his truck? And maybe he wasn't, you know, he, he was a really nice guy um and you know but it just didn't look good on his behalf (laughs) and so he sits there for like 10 minutes and it's getting dark and getting dark and i'm just kind of getting nervous like man i was planning to make a move but now it's like he's there well about that time he heard his truck go into drive and he pulled up and when he pulled up i knew he pulled up to where i was parked because i heard the you know the limbs and stuff crunching that he would have to drive over and i'm like okay I'm going to just go glass this private field now. Cause I don't have a fear of getting shot by getting off the road. And so I go and look in the tree line and I'm like, looking at on X. I'm like, okay, this is as far as I can go. And I put my binoculars up and I'm like, Holy moly, there's that buck. And so everybody has that moment where a buck's 60 yards broadside and you're like, Oh, I could just pull my gun up and shoot it. But The problem was he was about 20 yards into the beans on private. So I'm like, well, crap, I can't shoot him. I'm like, what do I do? And it was like instantaneously. I'm like, oh, my gosh, all my friends are on the other side of this tree line. I'm pushing him. And so I started like shaking a limb and he looked up and then he went back to feeding. So I'm like, what the heck? So I walked down the tree line because there's like a deer trail, like a deer highway down the middle. I mean, it's almost like right on the property line. It's like a deer highway where they're traveling this tree line and so i started walking down the tree line and waving my hands up in the air and going crazy and like shaking all the leaves but i didn't want to yell because i know that guy in the truck could hear me and if the deer was running towards the road and not back towards all my friends i was like i don't want him to shoot and so like i'm like waving well the buck starts darting for the tree line that he came out of which if he would have hit that parker probably wouldn't have got a shot based off where i thought parker was and now that i knew where parker was he definitely wouldn't have got a shot and that deer would have just disappeared into the woods so i literally take off running down the tree line and like cut the deer off i literally see him like his hoofs like stop in the like and do like a horse like on a barrel race and like turn and he goes back the other way and he goes out into the opening of the field and hits public and I'm like, oh my gosh, buddy's about to shoot him. So I go run into this big old giant tree and I hide behind it because I don't really know exactly where everybody's at, but I'm like, I don't want to get shot. And so I try to put myself between me where I thought the deer would be running. And it felt like an eternity. And then I heard, man, man, meh, meh, boom. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I hear the deer running through the soybeans and I hear it crash. And I'm like, oh, somebody just shot it. Somebody just shot him. So then I'm like, okay, if there's other deer, I don't want to get shot. So I sat there for a second. I didn't hear <laughs> any more shots. I didn't hear anybody screaming with excitement. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? And then I walked out and I could see Jacob's hat like standing out in the middle of the dirt. And I'm like, okay, he wouldn't be standing in the middle of the dirt if he didn't kill something. So I thought he maybe dropped it, but I'm like, well, I thought I heard it running. So anyways, I go out there and I started whistling because it was already getting dark by the time and we were pushing legal lot So I just went ahead and came out of the woods and Jacob trying to tell me he missed it. And I'm trying to tell him he didn't, and I'm trying to tell him, let's go track it. And he's trying to say no. And I'm like, Oh man, this deer is dead. And he's like, you know, so that's where he can, I guess he can pick up.
1: So I think everybody kind of has this moment, right? If you're, if you're the one that pulls the trigger, everybody else in the world and all the signs can be pointing to Dude, the deer's dead. Like stop worrying about it, quit freaking out. I know I get that way, and people be like, "Stop, dude, your deer's dead." You know, like I know it's dead. Jacob's in that boat right here, except for Jacob's in the spot where it's a uh, a lifetime deer, uh, a booner, and he's like, "Freaking screw this crap up, what the heck?" Um, how w- were you? Were you like in like cry mode yet, Jacob, or were you still just not hundred percent sure?
0: No, I didn't even, I didn't get excited because I didn't confident in the shot at all. Um, I'm a left-handed shooter, and I set my tripod up for me to take a shot, either straight in front of me or off to the right. And like Taylor said, you know, he pushed that deer onto the public bean field. And what amazes me is, I mean, I was pretty alert, but I was still kind of like, Fiddle farting around, like, I'm just ready to pack my stuff up and go home and see my family. I am so sick of this hunt. You know, this is depressing that, you know, we thought we had it in the bag, and it still didn't happen. And uh, that puck had made it 130 yards through those soybeans, probably moving pretty quickly. And I'd never seen him until he got to the edge. And I seen just a flicker of his tail. Or his ear, I'm not sure. But when I like stared at it super hard, the second like I focused on it, I was like, okay, it's, it's a deer for sure, but what is it? He blended in with the beans real well. He took off on that dead sprint. And I was sh- sh- hollering at him before I even had turned my gun. First, Mac, whatever, was just getting his attention, grabbed the gun, clicked the safety off, hollered at him again. And the third time I did it, I finally set my eye on the scope which was on 20 times zoom where I had been screwing around looking at crap all afternoon. <laughs> um, And I don't know if it was a God thing or what, but like most of the time you want it on like what, eight, six, whatever pyre, and then you're going to zoom it in. Them crosshairs were dead nuts on that buck's shoulder. Like, I mean, I mean, it could not have been more, I wouldn't have moved it. And I remember reaching over with my right hand and I was like, I was like, "What do I do with my hands? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never pulled the trigger on this side before." <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Please God, just let me hit him." And I barely even had my shoulder on the gun, and uh, squeezed it off, and he took off. And, and that was like my first like red flag. Like I just shot this deer at 100 yards with 308, and he didn't drop. So I, I put another round in it, and I'm following him in the scope. And he's kind of bounding through the beans. He was more running than anything. And I remember looking through the scope, like just for a split second. I'm, I'm ready to shoot again because they don't go down. Like I get nervous. Like I missed or I didn't make a good shot. I Put another piece of lead in him. And like every time he would bound, like I could see Jeremy and Wendell's hat in between his tines. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. I was like, if I missed him, he's gone because I can't shoot again. Uh, so I put my gun down and I thought, like Taylor said, it's almost in the legal light. I need to at least get out there and, and see if I hit him and I searched around for a minute. I just I was like, no. I was like, man, I, I don't know. I, I think I really whipped this shot. I was like, I just missed I didn't know how big the deer was. I had no idea. I was my scope was zoomed in so much at hundred yards that I couldn't even see his head. <laughs> just knew I knew it was a buck. Um ended up finding really good blood out there on the dirt and we waited for uh, who got over there first? Was Jeremy and was it Jeremy and, and Wendell or was it Scotty and Nace? Me and Wendell got over there first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we waited on them and we waited on Scotty and Nace to get there. And uh, after last year, man, shooting that buck back there in that field and bleeding really, really well for a hundred to one hundred fifty yards, would you say, Jeremy? Maybe two hundred yards. He bled oh, really. Least, good. Yeah. I mean, it, I thought the deer was dead. Um, and we never found that deer, uh, even with a dog. Uh, and that was kind of disheartening. Uh, so I don't get my hopes up until like my pants are getting soaked with blood or I watched him fall down and, uh, we got everybody over there and it was a pretty easy blood trail and sure enough there, he laid in the beans. And when you pulled his antlers up out of the beans, it was like, a <laughs> holy crap. Did I really just kill this kind of moment? I think everybody that was
4: standing there had that same moment.
0: Yeah, it was a, I don't know, I, emotions rolled in. I, I didn't get as worked up as I thought I would, uh, losing my granddad and whatnot. Uh, but, man, I was i was pumped, to say the least. Uh, just very thankful that um, any of us had that opportunity to kill that deer and being one to pull the trigger, I almost felt guilty, honest to God, that uh I got to kill that deer because – you know, Scotty, he's been down there three years in a row, and he's never had a safety off. He's never even seen a buck. Steven, the same way. Um, and I get to hunt ag. I get to hunt Kentucky. I killed uh, a pretty decent deer down there in Tennessee in velvet. Uh, the first year, you could hunt public. And then uh, I buck back in 2011. And, of course, this one right here is my biggest year of all time by quite a few inches.
2: That's awesome, man. Uh, velvet buck on the hardest hunt anybody ever hunts. So, that's yeah. awesome.
1: And I know, I know, I know. Without a shadow of a freaking doubt, there's somebody listening is being like them bunch of pansies. They got a rifle in their hands hunting bean fields. There ain't no way it's as hard as blah yeah. blah 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 whatever. I am. Well, telling I think we're all
2: you, pretty hardcore bow hunters, aren't we? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. This is
1: a hard. No shame hunt.
4: picking up a rifle for that one.
1: No, and and I'll tell you. I get that way about a week before that hunt starts. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. When I'm sighting yeah. in my gun, I'm like, all I got to do is get 200 yards away. That's all <laughs> I've got to do, man. And yeah. and We're you get there and you're, and, and, you're, and you're you're just, you get there and you're like, man, you walk in that first morning and then you walk and then you walk and and then you walk some more and you're still not seeing tracks and you're still not seeing... Sign and you're like, but I've got a rifle in my hand. You know, like all he's got to do is just run out in front of me at 200 yards. We'll be all right. And it it doesn't happen. Like it literally just it, it it's crazy because it looks like such good deer habitat. Um, anywhere I mean, you got crops, yeah, that I feels feel that like
0: way. it used to be. It probably used to be amazing. And yeah. I honestly believe you know, four years ago when me and Jacob Myers went down there you seen deer in a lot of the fields
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you really did. It was plumb full of them. And whether it's this disease that are knocking them out or Tennessee wildlife resource agency, turning everybody loose on shoot as many does as you can. And every two does you shoot, you get another buck tag and now you can kill three bucks in the CWD zone. There's eventually going to become a point where it's not worth going. And I mean that like there were time that I, I, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to drive five hours down there to hunt in the heat um, and, and see maybe one deer in three days
1: if you're lucky. Yeah. That's just my input. Yeah, man. Well, that was my
2: hunt. <laughs> oh, that was last yeah. year, really.
1: Yeah, that was, that's yeah. been all three years that I've hunted it pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But you know what the crazy thing is on the Tennessee velvet hunt, I have been within 100 to 150 yards of 160 inch die, deer dying. Mm-hmm. And I've been two out of three years, I have seen a 160 inch deer die. So... Like that, that's enough to keep somebody going back. Right. Like that's a a great opportunity, man. I I, I hunt Kentucky every year and I have never been around somebody killing a 160 inch buck. Uh, but on this hunt I have, you know, and, and we've talked about, we've talked about a little bit while we were there, the kind of the, the idea of like, there's so much food around these agricultural areas. There's so much food. The deer density is low. There's not a big competition for food. And so the bucks that you do find are pretty solid deer. You know what I mean? Like, I I have not seen a a small deer get killed on the Tennessee Velvet Hunt. Um, the, every deer has been you know a, from a decent deer to freaking world class deer, and I think that's uh it's a cool opportunity, but not for the faint of heart. And you see people, I I feel like in the last two years there's been less people, um like there's less people this year than there were last year and, oh, a long shot. B- and it's not because people are people are like i'm not freaking doing that again i'm not going out <laughs> there and do that not one more it's time it's demoralizing my life. man yeah it is it's, really? a, it's a hard way to start your season whenever yeah. you you haven't seen any deer it's a very difficult one like i'm going <laughs> in to kentucky next week um for a week with like this much confidence like where I had this much confidence a week ago. Now I'm like, eh, I kind of freaking suck, <laughs> you know, like um, you just get that feeling. It's easy for us to get there, get to those points with deer hunting. But man, I think the thing that always it comes back to for me and probably for a lot of you guys um, is like, if I don't go, that is a surefire way of saying I'm not going to kill one. That's right. You just kind of got to keep that grit. You got to keep that determination, keep the fire and the hunger. Um, and I and I tell people every time, you know, I always – I get poison ivy real bad. I'm covered in it right now. I got all over my eyes and my arms. And um, you go on these early season hunts, and they're just tough. But, man, we all know this. If you keep going, eventually it's going to – the stars are going to align, right? Like if you – if if you give yourself the opportunity, it'll happen. It'll happen. Absolutely it'll happen. And uh, I hunted it
4: five years down there before I was able to kill one. The first four years I actually hunted private with a bow and I had all but given up and then I found out I could take my rifle out there and I was able to seal the deal the second year hunting with my rifle. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge out there is really how much it changes year to year is being able to go out there and put all the pieces together in three days to make it happen it's yeah. tough
1: it is hard it's a uh, you we put a lot three of pressure days. on ourselves. and, and when days. you think about it it is three days and most of us leave on the last day so we don't even get the three days you know what i mean most everybody yeah, so by tired, two by two days you're like ah, i'm freaking done man I'm tired yeah. <laughs> we were
4: so tired after the second day we didn't even hunt the third yeah we
2: yeah up home that morning I think Parker's the only one that hunted the third day and, and he's in his truck till seven o'clock.
1: Yeah, dude, he got a good <laughs> nap, yeah. dude, let me tell you, we, we worked hard getting that deer out, I guess, or whatever. And, uh, and Clay add to that. Clay likes to talk at night specifically. Um, and,
3: uh, <laughs> so I like to talk anytime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, I'm down. I'm down
1: talking. So I didn't sleep. I was like, you know what? If I go to bed right here on this bed, I am going to sleep until 10 o'clock. So I'm going to drive to the gate, sleep uncomfortably in my truck, and but I'll be able to wake up in time to hunt. Bro, I, I got to the gate at 3 o'clock, laid down. I didn't wake up. My butt didn't wake up until seven 7.20 in the morning. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I, dude, I woke up so freaking mad at myself. I was like, this is this is dumb. And I, I packed my bags and went home. Uh, that's what you get for going to my spot <laughs> yeah that's what it was uh, My, uh, it was uh, yours and Clay's and mine and I think Steven was going to go there that morning right until he slept in um, uh, yeah I think, I think so it's like that's why I told Clay out here out in that area it's kind of the the, um, overall consensus of everybody that's there especially if you know the people it's like man I'll tell anybody where I saw a deer at like, yeah, yeah. like you, there's not a secret spot out there it's one of those things it's like you go over here one day, you might not see anything, another guy goes over there the next day, there might be a hundred and sixty inch buck sitting in the field, you know, like it's just and and it's all you're looking for these bean fields, and they're all concentrated around the beans, and so everybody who knows how to look at a map is like a oh, bean field, bean field, bean field, bean field, marking those spots, and uh. It's, it's a cool hunt. It's weird in that aspect because, like, we go out to some hardwoods and everybody's like, all right, I'm solo. See you guys. So I'm not telling you anything. And But then you go out to these spots like this on these type of hunts, and uh, you really get the sense of, like, some of the I, – I you get jealous of when you watch videos of these guys up north doing the deer drives and doing all that. It looks fun, right? Like, they have yeah. this cool camaraderie. And us southern guys finally get to feel that for once. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um but guys, it's getting late, man, and uh, I feel like we we kind of could. I mean, I could talk about 160 inch deer until the sun comes up. You know what I mean? But we got to we got to end this thing. Does anybody have any closing thoughts about this hunt?
0: I'll go last so somebody
2: else go. Man, closing thoughts about this hunt? Not really, other than the fact that it's still like at least a month before any real season starts. <laughs> you know, like. Like I told Jacob earlier in the group text, man, like you should have absolutely no stress the rest of the season. Like you've you've had like a dream season already, and it's not even September. You know that's that's the best thing about this hunt is you like it's hard, it's tough. You won't see a lot of deer, no matter what. Uh, you do have an opportunity to go out there and shoot a buck of a lifetime in August with a rifle. <laughs> so it's awesome. No matter how bad it is. It's still an awesome opportunity. It's hard. It's a challenge, and that challenge makes it worth it—worth more than just normal hunting.
1: Absolutely. Um, Anybody else?
3: Um, I think you know. For me, I I was blessed in four years. I was able to kill three really nice deer, uh, two over one hundred and fifty, and one over one hundred and sixty. In one of the hardest states to hunt, and um you know, I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this and maybe they've never killed uh, a buck or never killed a big deer. But I think something that really opened my eyes was at the end of this last season, I helped my buddy, Chris, um, kill, it was what my target buck was. And to see the excitement and the joy on his face, um, made me realize that there's a lot more important things in life than your own personal achievements. And being able to help others achieve their goals, but ultimately share those memories of coming together and working together to help someone to achieve goals is I would almost say equally, if not far more rewarding than killing your own deer. And it was just really cool. The last time of 2022 because the season's in February in Alabama. And then the first time of 2022, like it was just cool to be able to just live kind of open-handed and just see where God was guiding me to be able to share and see, you know, two people who are really incredible people um in really um, two different seasons. but Jacob, you being in a season where you, lost someone near and dear to you that made a huge impact on your life, you know, for me to be able to play a part in that and to have an impact. Like, I think there's a lot of times where we all get too focused on us and we forget about everyone else and we're called to make a difference and we're called to make an impact and we're we're called to use what God has gifted us with to, to change lives. And we just miss that opportunity so much because all these personal ambitions get in the way. And so for all those that are listening to this, I think the biggest takeaway for me out of this weekend is go out and work hard and achieve your goals, but don't miss those windows of opportunity to make a difference in someone else's life. Because you only get one life to live. No one is going to care or give a shit about how many deer heads you got on your wall. But I can tell you, Jacob Emery will remember, Chris Hyatt will remember the two awesome bucks they got because someone else lived open-handed, because Jeremy was able to do what he did, Parker was able to do, Clay, Scotty, C. I mean, so many people played a part in this incredible memory for him, and it could have easily been missed. So just take the time to just remain open-minded and see opportunities where you can make an impact.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. And as always, a big shout out to all of our partners, That's Go Wild, Tethered, Spartan Forge, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.